Welcome to another Blue Collar Special. Uh, today, me and Aaron got the chance to interview and chat for a while with record engineer Bob Moon. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and we'll hop right into our conversation. <laughs> hey, Bob. Thank hey, you so hey. much for having what about us. Bob? To us. Yes, it's a pleasure. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, my, my pleasure to be on. All right, so we're going to go ahead and just get right started with the questions. Um, so the reason why we have you on here today is we do all things uh, Starflyer 59 related, Jason Martin related, and you have been a um, one of the record engineers for a lot for some of his records, but also for a lot of tooth and nail history. So for those that aren't familiar, what does a record engineer do exactly? Um. Uh, that's a loaded question. Uh, an engineer is basically just the, uh, the conduit between the artist and what used to be tape now is bits. <laughs> um, I never really considered myself a producer, even though I have a lot of producing credits, I always considered myself an engineer that threw his two cents in, uh, and really would rather focus on engineering rather than producing. Nice. So, um, what exact, what, uh, two cents, uh, have you thrown in? Like, uh, do you tell them, you know, I think that guitar part could go better. I think, uh, that could sound a bit different. How, how does that usually go for you? Yeah. Um, well with, yeah, with Starflyer, especially in the early stuff that I did, there was a lot of experimentation and, and I was really into that. So, um, for that, uh, portion of of starflyer's infancy I, I think it was we were a good team because uh you know he was kind of learning and growing and and uh experimenting and i was all for that was there anything else that you did um um with your time with starflyer um no i mean i i basically was just the engineer uh um, you know, I, I had a lot to do with, with getting some of the sounds, uh, you know, a lot of experimentation with lots of different mics and, you know, like 10 mics on one amp and weird, crazy stuff like that, or playing through multiple amps, even at the same time, multiple mics. Nice. Um, now... Like I said, uh, I noticed um, looking at your um, engineering credits and stuff, you've done a lot, especially in early tooth and nail history. So how did you get hooked up with that scene? Um, how did uh, you get started You know, with such a crazy kind of career doing so much in the early 90s and even into the 2000s? Yeah, it was nuts in the beginning. Um, I, think, I think I'm credited on 24 of the first 54 releases of tooth and nail something like that something crazy i don't oh, know man yeah <laughs> um so i i, I don't know I, a, a lot of things just kind of fell into place uh right place right time type of thing um i uh i, I went to uh, dick grove school of music for engineering um during that time i was friends with uh uh Super C, Chris Cooper from uh, Soldiers for Christ. So I, I kind of got my uh, 
got my start with the uh, Christian hip hop scene. Um, he was on uh, 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 Brainstorm, which was uh, Gene and Ojo Taylor's label. Um, so I had that friendship going, working with them. And I also went to high school with uh, XL, uh, Todd Stevens from XL DVD. Um, so we had a band together. I actually recently sent uh, our four track tapes to him. I, I don't know if he's going to do anything with them, but that would be kind of funny. The little bit of playing I ever did was in that band. Uh, but so uh, through Soldiers for Christ, uh, Chris Cooper, I met Gene Eugene um, as I was graduating from uh, Dick Grove School of Music. I was interning at Ocean, which was the label that uh, Crucified was on at the time. Uh, uh, from there, I went to uh, interning that. I, I was working on the Applehead record, which was Greg Manier's solo uh, record from the Crucified. And uh, and then I got a call from Gene, who was tired and burned out, and asked me to uh, kind of be his assistant on uh, uh, the new SFC album, which I already knew Chris. So I was basically a tape operator for uh, for Gene. And then I started working on pretty much everything Gene was doing as his assistant. Um, and then through that, I met Brandon. It's kind of long-winded, but it all works together. Um, Brandon was working at Frontline for the, at the time, and Gene was doing a lot of Frontline records. I think we were working on a Deliverance record the first time I met Brandon um, before Tooth and Nail started at all. Um, so that was my connection of at least knowing Brandon um, and, and being at the green room and, and in that whole scene. Um, and then I met the Martin brothers through church, I believe. I think we met at Harvest. Um, and it turned out that we lived around the corner from each other. Um, so with that, I started working with uh, uh, Rainbow Rider uh, before Joy Electric with Ronnie and did the uh, silver demos uh, all at my house. And I think by that time I was, I had a single aid at, so we did a, um, all the demos were on a little Tascam board with a uh, eight-track, eight-app machine, and that—that's pretty much how how I got in with Tooth and Nail was through through the Silver demos. How did how did um, being the default engineer, mixer, producer, whatever for the early 2000 now um, Tooth and Nail records affect you, and how are you able to do do it in such a short amount of time? Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. That, I mean, that period of time I lived in the studio. I, 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 uh, it's all I did. I was either at the green room, I was up in Seattle or I was at my own studio Moonsong. Um, and, and that's just all I did. It was grueling. I loved it. Um, but it took a toll. I, I had kids, the little kids at the time, <laughs> Uh, my daughters were born in 92 and 94, so, um, uh, you know, it was rough on that. Ended up getting divorced in 96, uh, right right around the time I was doing uh, Life in General with MXPX. Um, 
so that part of it was rough, but, uh, I mean, thankfully, uh, my, my daughters turned out awesome and, uh, we have a great relationship, but, uh, I definitely, uh, took, took a lot of my time being in the studio as much as I was. Wow. That's, uh, that's crazy. Um, but still very fascinating. So we're going to zero in on one of those periods in the early 90s, if that's okay. See how much you can remember from – I'm sure it melds together a little bit. But um, how much do you remember from the recording of Gold specifically? I know that's a, a record a lot of people really love. It's um, from an engineering perspective, um, production perspective. It's really a fascinating record. So um, do you have anything that you remember from the recording of that? Anything that you uh, had specific input on or you thought was a really interesting part of it? Um, well, the whole thing was interesting. It was a grueling, grueling session. I mean, we, uh, we, we went a month nonstop. I mean, literally nonstop. We were either sleeping or recording. Um, I know Jason, the first seven days... Uh, we, we walked out after the first week and, and he realized that that was literally the first time he saw daylight. Like he was just holed up in the, in the green room. We were sleeping in the, in the lounge in the back and, uh, just working around the clock. Um, you know, as far as the production goes, you know, we were, um, you know, with the drum sound and stuff like that, we were trying to go for that real dead seventies study sound. Um, I think we kind of went a little, little overboard on it. Maybe I don't know. Um, you can tell by the three songs that Gene makes; they're they're a little more polished, and and he understood what we were trying to do. And and coming in uh, fresh, I, I think he had a better perspective. Plus, he's just Gene Eugene. He's an amazing engineer. So um, he he I think kind of cleaned up what we were trying to do on those three songs. Which three songs did he do? Uh, he mixed Your Mean, uh, When You Feel the Mess, and One Shot Juanita. Wow, okay. Well, not to beat the, the recording session, the gold, like a dead horse, but at any point when y'all were recording that album, did you feel like y'all were indulging too much or went too far? No, never. Never. <laughs> I, 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 I like to think that I had a, a, a big part of, of pushing the overindulgence. I, and that's totally what I was all about. I love doing stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, that was just an all out barrage of let's see how freaking how far we can push this and how crazy we can get with the guitars and uh, you know, having that weird 70s drum sound. Well, I love it. I don't think it's indulgent at all, but some people have said so. <laughs> well, that's fine. And it might be overindulgent, but that, that's what we were going for, I think. I, I, I think Jason would agree to that. It was uh, – uh, that, that, that was the mission. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a recording from that session that's, like, your favorite? Like, you love how far you guys went on that, or you just like the way it sounds from a – engineering perspective or anything like that um yeah honestly i haven't listened to the album in a long long time um i i love levancourt which uh and and that whole thing which was all part of the same session so um uh i don't know i i, I love the whole album i recently got the uh 
the vinyl, the re-release that has the pop on it. <laughs> um, I've, I've given it a, a once through and that's about it. Uh, but no, I mean, anything I did with Starflyer, I, I, I it, it holds a, a special place with me. I, I, I had a lot of fun on those. Any stories of like uh, of note that stick out during that time when you were in hold up in that studio? Um, oh boy, I I don't know. I, it, <laughs> um, it, I I know towards the end of it, we we uh, we were trying kind of getting at each other's throats a little bit. It was really stressful, really really stressful, because it was just. Uh, I mean, it's so long ago now, it's hard to know specific details or remember specific details. But, uh, um, you know, it was just one of those situations where we were just going and going and going. Uh, thankfully, uh, Wayne came in and, and started to produce the vocals, which uh, I think was a relief to both me and Jason. Because uh, it really, for the majority of it, was just the two of us in there um, until Wayne stepped in and... Uh, believe we did most of the vocals at desert moon studios um did all the tracking instrument tracking at green room and then switched over to desert moon for the vocals uh and the organ that gene played uh, desert moon had a b3 over there um and then i think we did the last bit of vocals at the green room and and we literally man it like we cut the last vocal and it was like, not even, we didn't even take five minutes. It's like, okay, last vocal's done. Let's start mixing. And it like, it was that kind of pace. <laughs> Man. And uh, legend has it. I, I don't know. Um, maybe you can clarify that there near the end, um, you had to leave and go uh, produce for an MXPX album. So was it Gene Eugene that kind of finished up the production at that point? Yeah, uh, um, we were we were mixing and uh, and we lit we had three songs left um, and Brandon came in one night and said, "Hey, uh, Sprinkle, just uh, he's not able to do the next MXPX. You want to do it?" And I'm like, "Heck yeah, I want to do it. That'd be awesome." Uh, and I said, I, you know, I got three more songs to mix. And he goes, well, no, if, if you're going to do it, you uh, you got to be up there tomorrow. And I was like, oh, man. So uh, we uh, had a little powwow, and uh, Gene said he was available to uh, mix those last songs. I mean, Gene lived there at the green room, so he was there. Um, so, yeah, he ended up doing those last three songs, uh, my wife at the time and my daughter came down and had dinner with me and 6 a.m. the next morning I was flying up to uh, Seattle <laughs> and that the timing with uh, the MXPX thing was you know they were still in school and it was during their uh, their spring break so it was like this is the window you have to do there was no putting it off or delaying it um currently what's your relationship like with Jason and Brandon um uh, non-existent uh, I've ran into Jason, I think two or three times at, uh, at Oahu's and Norco, which is just kind of odd. Um, that's literally the only times I've seen him, uh, uh, bumped into him and, and his wife, Julie, um, said hi and, 
you know, uh, that's that's about it as far as Jason goes. Um, Brandon, I think the last time I saw or talked to Brandon was during the uh, interviews for the documentary. Um, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, I don't keep in touch with too many of the guys. I, I uh, follow Ronnie a little bit on Facebook because he's active with his church and stuff. But uh, other than that, I don't keep in touch with uh, those guys too much. So, uh, Bob, is there any current projects that you are working on or anything that um, you are keeping up with as far as music you like or stuff you've worked on that you really like a lot and just want to shout out? Um, well, uh, I, I, I dread being in the studio, (laughs) but I do, uh, 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 (laughs) one of my best friends who also happens to be my boss in my regular day job now, uh, has a home studio and I, uh, I, I record his albums every, it works out about every two years. Um, it's called the, uh, Bruce Mountain Band, um, and also Buffalo Chrome. Uh, the latest Bruce Mountain Band that I did uh, hasn't been released yet. We just finished it a couple months ago, um, but it's probably uh, something that I'm the most proud of, of stuff I've done in my later years, I guess. Uh, um, it's kind of a little bit tooth and nail related in that uh, Big Rob from Wish for Eden uh, plays in this rendition of the Bruce Mountain Band. So uh, there's actually three big rob songs on there with him uh, doing lead vocals that i think a lot of people would be interested in hearing really good stuff okay cool um uh, we'll definitely um post links to that if there's something available um, um yeah i think you can find you can find what's available on on uh, spotify okay uh, i think everything's on there except for the newest newest release um i've been bugging uh Tyson, my, my buddy, to get that on there. Cause, gotcha. uh, I think this latest one's really good. Okay. Well, um, you speak earlier you mentioned how the goal was to be self-indulgent on um, the gold album. Could you indulge us and go down memory lane and share like a crazy behind-the-scenes tooth and nail story with us? Um, boy. Crazy tooth and You can nail. change things to protect the guilty if you have to. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, back in those days, I was pretty young and conservative and not too crazy. I just lived in the studio. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, gold was definitely the most grueling project I ever worked on. Um, uh, But as far as crazy, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I did anything crazy. That's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> that you saw, but that's fine. Um, when did you realize that um, when you um, heard Jason's music, when did you realize that there was something special there? Oh, during the Silver demos. the uh, uh, It was just so cool. I, I, I was instantly hooked and thought, you know, he had something really cool going. You know, cause he, uh, he, uh, oh, man, I, uh, what was their first project, the Martin Brothers, Morellas Forest or something like that? Yeah, Morellas yeah, Forest. Forest. Yeah, so they had that, but this was definitely like, you know, a whole, whole new thing. Different. Yeah, and uh, I, I was instantly hooked. I, I 
I've been trying to find my uh, original uh, two track of the of the uh, silver demo. I know there's one floating around out there, but it's it's uh, incomplete. And, uh, my favorite song off of that that I always talk about is the Zenith that uh, we actually because uh, my oldest daughter now was an infant at the time, and we recorded that in my house where I had. Uh, a control room and one bedroom and the drum set up in another bedroom and uh for that whole silver demo session i had a baby monitor in front of the uh drum kit and then <laughs> the receiver was in the bathroom and i had a, a 57 on the receiver and uh it just had this cool sound and so on the zenith we uh there's there's these breaks where it would just be that baby monitor drum kit and uh, and going through a phaser. And it was super cool. During the actual silver recordings, I had a baby monitor in there, but it was a cheaper one, and it just didn't have the same effect. So we ended up not doing any of that stuff on the, uh, on the album. For some reason, the one baby monitor I had at that time just sounded really cool when you did that. That is so cool. Um... So I think we're going to kind of wrap up here. Do you have anything last uh, minute you want to leave us with? Any um, thoughts, questions, stories that you just like, I want to tell the world this, or at least all hundred people that listen to us. <laughs> uh, no, man, I, 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 everything's good. I, uh, um, I, I still do sound weekly at a club, which that's really my love now is doing live sound. I do it once a week just to, it kind of keeps me in the game a little bit. Um, and uh, I would love to hook up with Jason and hang out and chat. Uh, I, you know, I just haven't seen him or even Cloud. I, I know uh, Velvet Blue's on, on there. So I don't know. One of these days, maybe I'll reach out to those guys and, and say hello. Uh, but no, I, I really I'm just really thankful to have uh, been a part of, part of it and uh, – uh, you know, I, I try my best just to live a life of gratitude and, and be thankful for everything that's uh, gone on, you know. Well, we are ever so thankful for you taking your time out of your day to talk to us. We're really appreciative. One question for the audio files out there. Which version of Gold sounds the best to you? Um, I, yeah, I was thinking about it. So what, how many versions of gold are there? Is there the reissue and then this, this new vinyl? That... Yes. Then okay. There's the, then there's the, of course, the original, then there's CD, cassette. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, the new vinyl sounds pretty amazing to me. Uh, are you talking about the two disc one? Yes. Okay. Other than the, the pops. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know that's been remastered uh, and it sounds really good. Um, I don't think I ever heard the extended reissue that came out however many years ago. Um, okay. So uh, I don't know. Uh, they're all good. I, I mean, to me, really, production is cool and everything, but it, it's really all about the song and the heart of the song. That, that's what really matters to me. I, I think great songs. Uh, uh, performed with passion, shine through bad recordings. And, True. Uh, sure. Uh, awesome recordings of crappy songs are still crappy songs. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's all good, whether it's remastered or whatever. It's just uh, great songs and a, a great vibe. 
All right. Well, once again, we really do appreciate it taking some time out on your on a Sunday to talk to us. Ah, you're very welcome. I'm uh, gonna go watch the replay of the Titans game now. <laughs> you do enjoy. Sure. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, Bob. All right. You have a good one. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar Love, a Starflyer 59 retrospective. Your hosts are me, Samuel King, and Aaron Anderson. Production and editing done by Samuel King. This has been a Brothers King Media production.